Blackhawks live. Here's the break in front of the pass. He scores! That's hockey, baby! From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Let's pull back the curtain, go behind the scenes of your favorite hockey team. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Blackhawks Live. Now, here's Joe Brand with Chris Bowden. Okay, guys, show us what you got. Yes, it is another edition of Blackhawks Live. I'm Joe Brand, he's Chris Bowden, and we are here to give you a break from all the drama going on at Hallis Hall today and welcome you in to some Blackhawks talk. Coming into the finale of a road trip tomorrow evening when they're going to host or rather visit the Columbus Blue Jackets and kind of a road trip of extreme so far, Chris. A really rough appearance against the Arizona Coyotes, but then a really fun, exciting, and impressive game against the Vegas Golden Knights a few nights later. And Marc-Andre Fleury just keeps racking up Ws. Yeah, and uh, you're right. I, I, I probably have not been as aggravated as I've ever been uh, than after that loss to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, a couple of nights prior, good on the Blackhawks that they were able to bounce back, but it just leaves you asking the question constantly, where is that every night? <laughs> Again, they fall behind 2 nothing to a team that uh, has uh, you know enough victories this season that are just barely more than one hand, the fingers on one hand, and um, just a, a flat-out performance, a, a, an outright flat performance against Arizona. Uh, they thought they could flip the switch against them, and for a while it looked like it did to start the second period, but then the parade to the penalty box began, and they ended up losing that game. They stayed out of the penalty box against the Vegas Golden Knights, something that they definitely needed to do, and they were able to come home with a, a, a real exciting victory or finish off a real exciting victory, and hopefully they can do the same against a Columbus team that's um, a bit different this year and having a, a little bit more success with the coaching change and you know uh, some different moves that they've made, getting rid of some longtime faces, one of which is on the Blackhawks right now, and uh, you know turning things around. They're a much more competitive team than the one we saw within the Blackhawks division last year. They've got a little little bit of a chameleon effect right now uh it turn it, it 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 depends on who they're playing if they're playing a very talented team they show spurts of playing very well maybe not all 60 minutes but they show spurts we saw it in the Colorado game after having a rough start really turned things up in the final 45 minutes uh, had a really good period and a half against the Calgary Flames and then that Arizona game again you just kind of leave your head scratching because the Colorado performance was one that seemed pretty promising. They were able to turn things around after a rough first period, tie the game up, then take the lead against the Avalanche, who are, you know, they've been a Stanley Cup favorite since the beginning of the year. Now they're kind of re-elevated uh, to that role, and it just didn't happen in Arizona. And then it's left with asking the same questions and the same concerns. Now, you do have to give a lot of credit to the players who had a team-only meeting mm-hmm. after that game and, and took it upon themselves to turn some things around. And even though it wasn't that apparent in the first 20 minutes against Vegas, they turned it around. And I, I think Nick Olchek and I were talking about it on the broadcast. I think that's just important, just as important. If you're not able to get off to that great start, you still got to have faith in yourself mid-game rather than just a, a fresh start of taking on a, a new team and a new uh, starting a new game, and they did that. And again, it was a very impressive game. Mark Andre Fleury with another stellar performance in his old uh, playing arena of T-Mobile Arena, and the old haunts. 
What uh, what a cool moment for him too! Just a couple of cool moments this year that he gets to uh, add a Blackhawks chapter in his esteemed career. Yeah, and you know it was interesting that they did the whole tribute thing before the game. Usually, traditionally, it's in the first intermission. True. I wonder if they checked with him and said, "Okay, Mark, you want to get this over with early?" And you can see on the tele- television broadcast too when they took a, a close up shot of him. There were probably some tears behind uh, behind that mask following the tribute to him. And my main concern going into that game coming off the Arizona game is let's not put this guy in the same position as the Blackhawks did in Pittsburgh when he yes. went back there for the first time as a Blackhawk and they had to yank him after 11 and a half minutes and four goals scored and for a while you were concerned that that was going to be the case can the Blackhawks stop giving up first goals of the season to opposing players Johan Larson Hadn't scored once all yep. season. They give him a hat trick. Ben Hutton starts out the scoring for the Vegas Golden Knights, and luckily no further damage done in that game against Vegas. But yeah, you mentioned the the players only meeting. Uh, you hope it wouldn't get to that point, but it, it, yeah, something had to be done. And you know whether that was a factor in the way they were able to tighten things up against the Vegas Golden Knights. But yeah, still, all in all. This team has to find an answer for getting better starts. They've been outscored 41 to 20 so far in the first period of games. One nothing after the game on Saturday night. We knew they fell behind two nothing in that game against the Arizona Coyotes. It's been a recurring trend. So trend. So uh, finding a way to answer the bell a little bit better uh, at the outset of games, uh, which certainly helped this team's cause. But you know, in doing so, they have just dug themselves so deep a hole. They just keep making it more difficult on themselves. If there's any realistic hope of getting back into this playoff chase and um, yeah, you know uh, they've kind of made their own bed here and it's going to take with each passing game a, a Herculean effort to try and try and get back into contention here. With all the Mark andre Fleury talk we're going to be giving away a Boyke's prize pack 312-981-7200 to the first person that can call in and tell us how many teams has Mark andre Fleury now beaten in his career after Saturday's win against Vegas 312-981-7200 more Blackhawks live coming up Rolling on with Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. The Blackhawks gearing up for their game against the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow night. They'll wrap up a three-game road trip, which they're hoping to finish 2-1-0. and You look at that road trip on paper before heading into it. You think, okay, a win against Arizona would be a hard-fought victory against the Vegas Golden Knights. The Blackhawks do end up 1-1-0, but in a little bit of a different fashion. Yeah, a little bit uh, a little bit confusing there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how they, how they respond tomorrow night they've had a couple of days uh, where they were able to enjoy themselves we're assuming uh, in Las Vegas they stayed over uh, an extra day so uh, hopefully the boys uh, first of all are healthy yeah and <laughs> that'd be the main got point. a little celebrating out of their system from the 2-1 victory over the Golden Knights and um, get back to business tomorrow night against Columbus and first time the the Blackhawks will see their old buddy Adam Boquist in an opposing uniform of course, those were the centerpieces, the Seth Jones for Adam Boquist trade. There were other elements as well, but uh, Boquist doing pretty good for himself. And again, he is only 21 and a half years old, and it was part of the narrative when I think a lot of Blackhawks fans were frustrated by lack of progress, lack of seeing that ceiling come as quick as many people wanted. But Adam Boquist is just 21 and a half years old. This will be his 100th NHL game tomorrow night against his former team. And you know the old saying about uh, you really can't evaluate defensemen at the NHL level until they got about 250, 300 games under their belt. Well, he has seven goals and seven assists so far in 23 games. By far his his best uh, production output. He never had a full 
a real full season under his belt here with the Blackhawks. He's getting the opportunity with Columbus. And uh, Seth Jones, after a, a real rocky start that I think raised a lot of doubts in people's minds about the validity of that trade, you can say all you want about you know the, the eight-year contract he signed at a 9.5 hit that kicks in next year. But uh, we've been seeing a lot more of the Seth Jones, say, from the... Um, 17, 18, 18, 19 season. Uh, last couple years have not been very good for him in Columbus, but, uh, uh, he is only 27 years old and he's got a lot of hockey in front of him and he kind of figured and hoped he would, uh, find that groove that he, uh, found during his, uh, his, uh, best years in Columbus and hopefully the Blackhawks, uh, he's found that with the Blackhawks here. Definitely want to go in on that topic a little bit more, but we, uh, posed a question to the audience right before the break of Mark Andre Fleury picking up the win against the Vegas Golden Knights. He now has wins against a certain amount of number of teams now after beating the Vegas Golden Knights. We've got Marion Wadsworth worth who believes has the right answer mary how many wins for mark or rather how many teams has mark andre fleury now beaten after his win on saturday against vegas mary you there it says it's killing me it says mary has the right answer and oh mary uh that was totally my fault the phone fader was down mary how many teams has mark andre fleury (laughs) come on i want to know joe Hi, guys. He's the only goaltender to have beaten all the teams in the NHL. I believe it's 32. You would be correct, there Mary. There you go. And there thank you, go. you for that extra nugget of information. Yeah, that's correct. 32 teams uh, beating them all. And, of course, his first appearance against the Vegas Golden Knights. Were you able to stay up late and watch the game on Saturday, Mary? Oh, gosh, yes, because they were playing well. So I wanted <laughs> yeah. to see that win. All the more reason to stay up. Yeah, there there, there have been times I uh, I kind of tuned out uh, at times here and there. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good, entertaining game to watch. So. Mary, Mary, you won a Boyke's prize pack. Congratulations. Thank you. Happy New Year, Mary. Thanks Happy for the knowledge, because I didn't know that either. I didn't know. I didn't know he'd. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't know of that specific part of the you stat figure until after the game. Yeah, he's and, been what thirty seven now. I believe Mark Andre Fleury is thirty seven years old. That sounds so. right. Yeah. So he's uh, he's 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 been through this circus before. So I would imagine, yeah, he would have a notch in his belt for every other NHL team when you uh, get down to it. Again, Mary wins a Boykey's Prize Pack. Boykey's, you can check him out at b o i k e y s dot com. It's not beef jerky. It's biltong. It's a better alternative alternative to beef jerky and use the WGN uh, promo code for 10% off on your first order. And I like that headwear on Joe Brand a lot better than the headwear he was wearing on the beginning of his video tweet today. Thank you for uh, bringing up the little dig I made at the other sports team in Chicago that uh, found the headlines today. Uh, we should mention, speaking of headlines, the Blackhawks actually canceled their practice today in Columbus. It's uh, not a COVID-related issue. It's reportedly because uh, the plane flight from Las Vegas to Columbus was taking a little bit longer than expected. They were supposed to practice at 3.30 Columbus time, 4.30 Central time. That's not happening. Um, so they will have a morning skate tomorrow before their game. But you know, you bring up Adam Boquist and Seth Jones, and listen, this is going to be a trade that we're not going to be able to completely analyze until a couple of years from now. And Anytime you're going to bring up Seth Jones being on the Blackhawks, it's going to be tied to what it took to get him here and what it took to keep him here with the extended contract and, and how much money is worth it. Um, and you bring up the numbers, and, and I think it's valid too, but 
man, Seth Jones has done so much for this team this year, offensively, defensively. Uh, he seems like one of the, the leaders on the team, too, even though he's not wearing the A or the C, for that matter. Uh, quarterbacking the power play. I know Derek King's had to shuffle up the defensive pairs a lot lately, well, with COVID and, and other issues, too, but he seems to really team up well with Calvin DeHaan and also just seems like a, a, a team-friendly player in that locker room. Um, but you're right, it's it's not... It's not going to be a a complete conversation or a complete argument until we're a few years down the road from now. Well, uh, Adam Bolquist uh, certainly had his 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 fans during his time here, and others who uh, had reason for pause. And let's face it when 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 Stan Bowman was was drafting some defensemen, he was drafting a lot of them out of the same mold: smaller types, uh, puck carrying defensemen. Um, on uh, a right-handed shot defenseman as well. And, you know, uh, guys who, as far as projections were concerned, were, were going to be able to put up some numbers. Offensive-type defensemen. You know, uh, we're still waiting for, for Ian Mitchell to have that breakthrough. There are a couple of others that uh, Stan Bowman took. And, and you know, th- there were some arguments about whether uh, number eight back in 2018, yeah, the 2018 draft was a little too rich for Adam Boquist. Yeah, again, we won't know that answer for several years, but, um, uh, you know, there were a lot of people who were you know, a little bit, I, I don't know, driven crazy by um, how how seemingly slow it was taking Adam Boquist to find himself adapting to the NHL game. He was finding himself getting injured a whole lot based on that size until he bulks up. I know, you know, Troy and I, during pre and post games, had several conversations over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, we won't know the real Adam Boquist until he fills himself out, gets a little bit more bulk in his game because uh, he's not going to get any taller than you know the five ten, five eleven that he is. But once he fills out and and you know uh, kind of becomes a man, if you will, we won't know what the real ceiling is for Adam Boquist. Seth Jones, on the other hand. If you get rid of Duncan Keith, you're going to need your minutes muncher, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what Seth Jones is. Big dude, six foot four, and can be out on the ice and uh, seemingly not uh, you know, uh, need to catch his breath playing 26 minutes a game. So uh, you know he, he's kind of the aircraft carrier there on the blue line, someone that they're going to be able to rely upon for years to come, and hopefully they'll get the kind of production. So far, what's he got? Um, three goals, 22 assists, 25 points in 35 games. I mentioned back in that his best year was 17-18 when he had career highs of 16 goals and 41 assists for 57 points. Uh, hopefully he can get back around to that because the contract certainly is asking for for that kind of production out of Seth Jones years down the road. Tied for seventh most assist among all NHL defensemen. He has slowed down a little bit offensively, uh, just not finding as many points as he was straight out of the gate as as this season begun. But again, I I still think a lot of great things from Seth Jones. Uh, I, I totally... Uh, understand everything you just broke down about you and Troy. I remember Troy telling me uh, some things like that, that, you know, that's kind of the direction the Blackhawks were going at the time, looking mm-hmm. for a very offensively skilled defenseman, and that didn't really work out as much as they had planned. And then even going back to this offseason, Stan Bowman had mentioned, you know, jumping from a rebuild to win-now mode with some of the acquisitions that they made is was a result of what had changed with the roster and the salary cap. They weren't expecting to move Duncan Keith or being able to move Duncan Keith, for that matter. Same thing with Brent Seabrook's contract. They weren't expecting for Marc-Andre Fleury to become available. And uh, those things had happened in favor of the Hawks. So that's what, at that point, then-General Manager Stan Bowman decided he had to do to 
give the best benefit for the Hawks moving forward. Uh, speaking of Marc-Andre Fleury and the goaltenders, Arvid Soderblom, the 22-year-old prospect goaltender who made his NHL debut last week and then his first NHL start a few days later. He's going to be joining us after the news. We'll talk to him about getting his NHL debut, also learning from Marc-Andre Fleury, and plenty more to get to as well. It was fun to play. Uh, I mean, growing up playing in the NHL since I was a kid, so yeah. It was fun, but a tough game. That was 22-year-old Arvid Soderblom, Blackhawks goaltender who made his NHL debut maybe a little bit unexpectedly last week on New Year's Day in Nashville when he was thrown into the fire in between the pipes at the very loud Bridgestone Arena. And he joins us right now live on Blackhawks Live. And Arvid, thank you so much for taking some time out of your Monday night. What was going through your head when Derek King goes up to you at the first intermission and says, hey, you're up, kid? Uh, I don't really remember all of it, but I try to, like, see it as a chance to make, like, a dream I had since I was a kid come true, so... Yeah, it was, it was fun to get get some some ice time there and make my first NHL game. Well, in following up of that, but they they threw you right back out there the following night against the Calgary Flames, and uh, as you know, kind of a head spinning moment as it may have been for you in that uh, game on New Year's Day in Nashville. How much did that help you the following uh, night when you uh, were put back in the net against the Calgary Flames? Yeah, it, it actually helped helped a lot actually to have that experience from the day before to kind of take that with me and have that when I made my first start. You know, it's always you feel more more comfortable to start the game than getting thrown in there mid game. So, but having that experience from the day before was was uh, of course it it helped me a lot actually. How much confidence did you have? on the penalty shot in the Calgary game? Uh, I've always liked like the penalty shots, and I've always been pretty good at, at it. So I was pretty comfortable, actually. Like, I always try to make the shooter make the first move and stay patient. And, you know, I was just trying to do my thing as I've done in penalties previously. So... Yeah, I was pretty confident, actually. Yeah, well, it showed in uh, in uh, denying Mr. It was Dubé, right? Dylan Dubé, I believe it was, uh, on, that, on that penalty shot. Um, in coming over from Sweden, there there is uh, uh, an adaptability uh, that's necessary, playing on uh, the different sheet of ice. And I think you even mentioned it, uh, I don't know if it was after the Nashville game or after the Calgary game, uh, about how angles are completely different especially with the size of the ice and you know bodies and traffic uh on on a much more smaller surface uh how comfortable do you think you are uh at that and uh uh, if you're not totally comfortable yet how much how much longer do you think it'll take in order to for it to you know become second nature on this different sheet of ice over here yeah it's for sure a big difference with you know the the angles and here, guys can shoot from the boards and still like have a pretty good shot. But I feel like I've adapted some some things in my game, and I feel like I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable every day with you know all the bodies in front of the net and uh, the traffic and the angles and all that. But I feel like uh, yeah, as I said, I'm getting more and more comfortable 
every day. So it's it's a process, but I feel like I'm on the right way. What's been some of the most helpful uh, either advice or a mentor, you know, if it's a person that's uh, helped you along the way since uh, playing most playing in North America and joining the Blackhawks organization? I would say, like, my, both my – or all my goalie colleagues I've been having, both down in Rockford with Dealey and all the guys and the goalie coaches down there and the goalie coach up here and – yeah, all the goalie coaches and goalie colleagues, I think, has been been a great like support for me to uh, yeah give me give me some advice and you know they've been a big big help for me. Well, one of your uh, stalemates right now is uh, going to end up in the Hall of Fame in Toronto one day. Uh, what were your impressions of? Uh, Mark Andre Fleury from a distance while you were uh, playing in Sweden, and now that he's one of your teammates, um, how has he? Uh, or, or what's what's different, or what may not? What may have you not expected him to be like compared to um, you know uh, what you had uh, thought of him uh, while you were coming up uh, through uh, through the uh, ranks in Sweden? Yes, you've been following the NHL. You always like. Uh, known that he has a good reputation of being a good guy and a good teammate, and that, that's that's 100 percent true. He's like one of the best teammates and like goalie colleagues I've ever had. So he's been been a great like mentor, or whatever. The, this time that I've been up here, he's been he's been awesome. You mentioned Colin Delia's name a little bit ago, and I'm sure you've been working mostly with him, especially being in Rockford for for the majority of the year. What what have you learned from him? What sticks out most? Like all stuff of play, playing over here, and you know, it's hard to mention like excite stuff, but just being being comfortable here and off the ice too, like getting getting comfortable and living and playing over here what uh uh growing up in 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 sweden was uh was hank the guy was henrik lundquist the guy i know you squared off against a fellow sweden jacob markstrom a couple of a couple of games ago you saw robin leonard up close and uh and personal uh the other night in vegas but was uh was henrik lundquist the guy that uh, uh you and all swedish goaltenders uh looked up to and uh dreamed of following in the footsteps uh while you were growing up yeah, of course. Hank has been the like biggest idol I've had like growing up and when he played he actually played for Flunda for Lunda. That's the team of my hometown, so he's he's always been my number one idol and and yeah, but of course all of the other Swedish goalies too, as you said, Mark Strummelen or all those guys are also great goalies but uh, uh, Henrik Lankis has always been number one idol for I think most of the Swedish goalie, goalies and in, in my age, you know. We're talking with Swedish goaltender Arvid Soderblom here on Blackhawks Live. One more and we'll let you go, Arvid. But, you know, when you were being recognized over in Sweden, uh, it seems like a handful of teams were reaching out to you. But uh, going off an article of Scott Powers in The Athletic saying that you claimed the Blackhawks were the right fit. Why did you feel that way about the Blackhawks? I think it was like the the organization, like how 
professional everything on. I got a good like good conversation with with the the, the goalie coaches and and all that. And then having uh, I heard that the the like the AHL team Rockford is a good organization to to develop and yeah just just being in a good organization to to help help me develop and get get to the NHL and be being being in a an NHL goalie so that's why why I choose the Blackhawks very cool. Well, Arvid, I know it's been probably a whirlwind uh, since this past week, but uh, we really appreciate you taking some time with us. Best of luck the rest of the way. I know it's also crazy with the taxi squad and all these roster shufflings going on, but uh, best of luck to you. Keep that confidence up. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks, Arvid. That's Arvid Soderblom joining us here on Blackhawks Live. Wrapping up Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. The Blackhawks' next game... Well, they're getting it down in Columbus, visiting the Blue Jackets, wrapping up a three-game road trip, one so far that they are 1-1-0. Then they head home, hosting Montreal on Thursday, Anaheim on Saturday. The Andrew Shaw Legacy Night coming mm-hmm. up for the Blackhawks, too. I'm sure that'll be a fun one. And uh, we don't know when all these games are going to be made up, all the ones that were postponed. I believe the Blackhawks are now up to five, six games that they have to reschedule. And, of course, there is that three-week break that was originally reserved for NHL players to go play in the Olympics, but we have yet to see exactly uh, how the schedule will look. And I'm assuming the NHL wants to know how many games are still going to get postponed before they actually uh, go ahead and reschedule the schedule because they don't want to have to reschedule the schedule again. <laughs> to reschedule the schedule. It's, it's, even saying it is starting to get confusing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the, the game next Tuesday at Edmonton is the latest one. Correct. Uh, they will be playing next Monday in Seattle. We'd heard some rumblings that the, the, uh, the league was going to try to help the Blackhawks out and schedule that game uh, whenever they would uh, make up that game in Edmonton. Right now, the Blackhawks only have two games left this season north of the border in Canada. They have the makeup game against the Winnipeg Jets from over the holidays, and then this game for originally scheduled for next Tuesday at Edmonton. That will have to be rescheduled. They will play next Monday night in Seattle. I think the, the league's, uh, upon giving a consideration, just saying, hey, we got this game all set, even if it's a one-off and you have to make that long trip to Seattle while we have that game scheduled. Let's get it out of the way, especially with the fact that the Blackhawks will have, I believe, three days off after that since the Edmonton game has been postponed. And uh, so we'll be on next Tuesday uh, instead of Monday night. Uh, we'll be on from 6 to 7 next Tuesday when uh, we were expecting the Blackhawks to be playing the Oilers in Edmonton. That's a good point. And, you know, again, if you're wondering or frustrated why the NHL hasn't just announced, okay, these games will be made up in the three weeks that was supposed to be the Olympic break, it's not just that simple. I mean, the Blackhawks have six games they have to reschedule. Other teams have more. Mm-hmm. And when you even take just those six games the Blackhawks have to restructure or reschedule, okay, 12 days is the least amount of time you can play those six games in. And I mean, that's almost two weeks we're talking about. So now other teams, the Canada teams especially, Calgary, I, I believe, has 11, 12 games to make up. Yeah. You're talking 24 days. And, and there's no way that even that's going to happen where you play a game every other day for 24 straight days. I know it's been a jam-packed January, and actually that game against Edmonton kind of relieves the Blackhawks' schedule a little bit because they had a stretch of a game every other day except for 
two occurrences in January where they had back-to-back days with no games. But uh, it's it's just getting really complicated. So that's why I think it's taking a while for this whole thing to be figured out. And even when we get past February, I think there's still going to be a lot more to, f- to figure out. Yeah, and... Uh it's 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 imperative on on the NHL to try and get this full 82 game schedule in and and try to remain on schedule as much as possible. I think uh, they're even saying right now, uh, even if they have to play an extra week um, at the end of the regular season or to fill in, uh, use some of these makeup games, use that time and uh, still try and get the uh, Stanley Cup awarded by the end of June. Um, everything's kind of already pushed back this year. There's not going to be the traditional July 1st start of free agency. That's going to be mid-July now as well as it was last season. So uh, we're all waiting on COVID and seeing yeah. if this thing all uh, clears up. And uh, I think even David Panyota, uh, who's kind of, you know, who's very well tapped in with the league, has even brought up the fact that don't be surprised if, if, you know, if these COVID issues continue where you might potentially see some of the games that are scheduled right now at the end of the season to those, for those games to potentially be pushed up into that two week, uh, week and a half, two week period that was originally, originally going to be during the Olympic break, um, uh, in order to, you know, uh, wait out COVID and, and have some of these makeup games done towards the end of the year while those that are currently at the end of the schedule are moved up. Uh, it, it, there's just so many moving parts here. We know arenas have other things booked, whether it's basketball or concerts or things like that. Uh, those are a bunch of things that they have to figure out along the way here. And it's, uh, again, I do not envy being the NHL schedule maker. No, nope. neither do I. Uh, since we last talked, the Blackhawks have made a move where they uh, said goodbye to Alex Nylander, who never made it up to the NHL level this year in the regular season. He was there in the preseason, but trade with the Pittsburgh Penguins to bring in in Sam Lafferty, a guy that seems to be a, a bottom six forward. He has yet to play with the Blackhawks, too, because he's gone into COVID protocol. But uh, pretty much the, the first big move by Kyle Davidson, the interim general manager for the Blackhawks. And, Chris, you were talking about it during the break. It kind of says a couple of things that Kyle Davidson didn't really want to see Alex Nylander up at the NHL level this year. And also, he's not really tied to what the direction that the organization was before he assumed this role. Yeah, and uh, Alex Nylander, you know, if, if he would have been playing well enough, I'm, I'm sure he would have been up with the big team. But obviously he wasn't doing that in Rockford, whether it's still a matter of getting into shape from that from that knee surgery. Um, a lot of guys after similar procedures have come back a lot quicker. But uh, now he gets to see what he can do in Pittsburgh and the Blackhawks. You know, one thing they're going to have they're going to have to find out this this team right now, just to, to speak very bluntly, is filled with bottom six type players and they're going to have to while they hope some of you know they can they can fill in some of these top six um slots with with quality players or find out you know who is best suited to to fill those top six spots i think they got about nine to twelve guys who are, who are really bottom six type players and they're going to have to start you know uh weeding things out and figuring out who's going to be a part of this future and 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 who isn't because um uh, while you like those those uh, sandpaper guys, those those gritty guys, uh, you can't have the majority of your roster filled up with with players like that. And granted, if if they're the best options right now, go ahead and get them. Lucas Reichel just won AHL Player of the Week, uh, and I think uh, everyone's kind of figuring at some point he will be up at the big club, whether it's sooner or later. But I'm sure he's he's going to get a taste because uh, he is their top prospect, forward prospect in the system right now, and uh, uh, he's putting up numbers at least at the AHL level. Got three goals, three assists in his last two 
two games, not to mention that's coming after dealing with COVID protocol for the league and for Lucas Reichel himself. So a great note for him down in Rockford. That is going to do it for Blackhawks Live. Another big thanks to Arvid Soderbloom for taking time out of his Monday night to join us on the airwaves. Again, next week we will be coming at you with Blackhawks Live Tuesday evening because there is a game on Monday against Seattle. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Another big thanks to our producer, Curtis Koch. And we will talk to you next week.